Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy. So how was your weekend, Jimmy? Uh, it was a pretty chill weekend. Kind of stayed at home like everyone else in the world. Uh, yeah, didn't do much this week. Yeah, neither. No, I'm trying to think. I didn't really do much this weekend either. Uh, I played a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima Legends. I probably mispronounced it, but uh, yeah, I played the. They they had like a new expansion where you can do like these little side missions, but it's also multiplayer. So I found that kind of cool. I did that a little bit this weekend. Took the dog to the park. Uh, did some baking. Made myself for my brunch. I made a a cream cheese raspberry waffle, which was kind of interesting. The cream cheese was actually in the batter. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty pretty relaxing weekend, which. Is good. That's what we need. Yeah, we need more relaxing weekends. I have been trying to watch some more scary movies because it's October. But I f- movies don't scare me anymore. Maybe I've been desensitized to everything. But I'm looking for a, a really scary movie. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same way. I Maybe it's just because I'm too old or whatever, but... There's there hasn't been a horror movie in the past few years that has legitimately scared me, which I don't I don't know. Maybe it's also just talking about the market. Um, what did I see? I actually watched one. I watched Unfriended this weekend because it was on Netflix and pretty interesting concept, I guess. Uh, there's a few films out there like that. Actually, the whole uh, what is it where, where the entire movie takes place on a computer screen? Yeah, I find it really interesting. Uh, there's a, it's kind of like Netflix, but for horror movies, it's called Shudder, and they have a Shudder original movie where all the characters are on basically on Zoom, and they have their own kind of seance where they contact the dead, and this ghost haunts them all in their Zoom call, even though they're all over the place. So I think that's it's interesting. I kind of want to see it, see more of this online uh, webcam stuff, but I want to see it done really well. I don't know if we've had a really perfect webcam movie. Uh, I would disagree, actually. I saw Searching, was that last year or the year before? Uh, John Cho, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that one was actually really good. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk about it too much because it's a it's a very intense movie and there's spoilers, so I don't want to give anything away. I want everybody to go watch it, but it was probably I was like on the edge of my seat when I was watching that because you were just trying to figure out what was happening and everything. It was it's like a a mystery movie, but everything's on a computer screen. I wonder if that one does, because after I said that, I did think of searching. I wonder if that one does better because it's just one character. Like we're focused on one person's uh, desktop screen and we're not really jumping back to different characters. I wonder if that's why that one succeeds while the other ones fail or not fail, but as good. I kind of agree, but I also think it might just be the content because a lot of those other films were trying to be horror movies, whereas this was more suspense. Like he was instead of the other ones where it's uh, somebody's trying to kill them, like Unfriended was a ghost and then Unfriended Dark Web was hackers, which was just bizarre because hackers can't do that. I just like how movies as a guy who works in tech, I love how movies portray hacking like hacking is magic in movies they can just do things that wouldn't happen in real life like how they're how the images of them glitch and everything as they're about to kill people and whatnot but but yeah those were like more horror slasher type films whereas searching was more of a detective or a mystery suspense because his daughter goes missing and he's you know, searching on the internet and doing like his own detective work to try to figure out what happened to his daughter. So uh, that that was just really suspenseful. As a tech guy, do you appreciate the movie Hackers with Angelina Jolie in it? 
mean, it's all right. I guess I feel like that time computers were kind of newer. And so you can get away with a lot of that stuff. But I feel like everybody understands computers these days or they understand it way better than they did back then. So the fact that they still try to like do these stupid tropes where they try to figure out how to hack into people's systems and stuff and it just it makes no sense i, I just yeah it kind of upsets me but i i, I kind of give a pass for hackers because of when it came out i love hackers i love that scene at the end when they're all shooting viruses at the computer and all the viruses have like different animations and as a kid i thought oh that's how hackers really are that's so cool yeah, there's actually a website you can go to where I can't remember the name of them for the life of me, but you can go there and it, it just shows like a terminal and it shows code and everything. So it looks like hacking as you would see it on TV, but it's it's nothing. It's just gibberish. But you can go to a coffee shop or something and just put on some dark sunglasses and pretend you're hacking and then just blurt out, got it, and run out of the coffee shop and just throw people off. That, and you got to be like frantically typing. I always see on TV when people are hacking or they're trying to like put a password in of a computer they don't own. It's it's just a lot of typing fast on their keyboard. Yeah, and also hackers never fail in TV. That's one thing that I always find interesting. It's They're always doing things like, Oh, um, yeah, can you hack into that, the the camera in my daughter's preschool, uh, or the nanny cam in my daughter's preschool? I can't do that. Well, come on, man, I believe in you. And then like three minutes later, he says, all right, I'm in. I, I just want for once in the film the, to be five hours later. He's like, I can't tell. I This is just way too secure. I can't break in. That would be awesome just a really grounded hacker movie. Of course, nobody would want to watch that. They always want to watch the hacker get through and everything. Or I always like whenever they say things like, okay, uh, how long would it take you to hack in there? I don't know, 30 minutes. Okay. You have two. And then the guy pulls it off. He's, I always want him to come back and just say, no, I told you I need 30 minutes. I was going to say people might watch that movie. We put, Chris Hemsworth in it. But then Chris Hemsworth was in like a hacker movie that I don't think a lot of people saw. No, I think most people haven't seen anything that he's in that isn't Thor. Except he was in a movie, the Netflix film this summer called Extraction that was actually really good. Like I'd like to see his character go up against John Wick. Oh, John John Wick wins for sure. I feel it. He's got the motivation. The dog motivation keeps him going. Wow. I feel like Chris Hemsworth character. I don't even remember his name, but I don't think he's got that strong motivation. Uh, Tyler Rake. Well, maybe. We'll see. The, 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 there's a the big... Actually, we won't talk about because we don't want to spoil it. We're not a we're not an extraction podcast, but you know, there's a... For people who haven't seen it, well, people who have seen it, you probably know the part I'm talking about at the end. People who haven't seen it, you know, pay attention when you see it, because uh, you might you, you might be a little blown away, just like everybody else was, and wind up asking yourself the same questions. And if you guys want us to do an extraction podcast, please let us know, and we we will we will make that for you. Exactly. But for now, I think we should jump into the Full Metal Alchemist podcast and talk a little bit about our episodes. Sounds good. All right. So these were a little interesting episodes. I think they it felt like there was a lot going on, but nothing going on at the same time. But uh, I have some interesting notes. So let's talk about them. First, we have, I want to say, episode 16, Footsteps of Comrade in Arms. So the the team arrives back at Central uh, with, you know, Ed, Al, Winry, Ling, and his uh, his followers, uh, Fu and Lanfan. And Ling goes missing. He's done this whole 
uh, collapse in the road and he's starving routine, but it doesn't really work with the central soldiers because they ask him, oh, well, you know, where are you from? And he says, Shing. And he's like, okay, well, where are your immigration papers? And he realizes he doesn't have any and they arrest him. Uh, so we also see that Barry the Chopper is being monitored by, uh, by Mustang's men. So they are in some kind of, like, I guess, cabin right outside of Central or something. And he's there and Fallman, one of Mustang's men, is supposed to be monitoring him, I guess, because they figure he ha- he would have interesting information that Mustang can use to figure out who killed Hughes and figure out the whole conspiracy going on. Now, back in Central, the brothers go to head, go head to see Mace Hughes while Winry decides to go and see his wife and kids. Uh, we then see, uh, let's see here, we see, it kind of jumps around. So we see Sheska back in the area, that that um, the archives, and somebody's trying to get in and ask questions, and she's trying to cover, because uh, Mustang is doing research on the Fifth Laboratory and everything Hughes was working on. Uh, so a guy comes in, and he asks about it and kind of gets information out of Cheska and learns that, oh, well, yeah, that's what he's re- he's researching. And guy walks away and is like, okay, cool. Uh, walks away, turns out it's Envy. So Envy was just trying to get information on Mustang. Uh, let's see. Mustang runs into the brothers. Mustang tells the brothers that Hughes retired to the country. So... The brothers are just like, oh, okay, well, that's that's interesting. Riza Hawkeye asks Mustang why he lied, and he just it ultimately boiled down to the idea that, oh, I didn't want to be the one to make the brothers feel guilty over what happened. So the brothers run into Maria Ross, who is one of uh, one of Armstrong's people that we met earlier, who watched the brothers as they went to the fifth laboratory. And she kind of accidentally lets out what happened because, you know, Edward says, oh, well, we heard about Mustang and she assumes she means, or we heard about Hughes and she assumes she means, oh, I heard that he died or, but, you know, she doesn't realize that they're talking about, oh, we heard he retired to the country and he made a mention or what, what happened? Oh, Oh, Ross mentioned that he was promoted to Brigadier General and Edward's like, huh? Why would they promote him to Brigadier General right before he retires? And then that's when they let it out that he was killed. The brothers head to the Hughes family to, you know, beg for forgiveness because they feel like, well, they got they got Hughes involved, and that's what ultimately led him to be killed. Gracia, Hughes' wife, uh, or what's that, Gracia's wife? Anyway, Hughes' wife tells the brothers that they need to keep looking for what it is they're trying to find. Otherwise, Hughes would have died in vain. And she doesn't really harbor any ill will to look towards the brothers. She says, you know, that's just who Hughes is. He always gets his nose into things and whatnot. But, you know, please keep doing what it is you're doing. Otherwise, Hughes would have died in vain. As they walk out, they can overhear her crying through the door. The brothers decide that they need to investigate and figure out more about what's happening. We jump now to some kind of underground lair where the homunculi are, uh, in particular Gluttony, Lust, and Envy. Envy mentions that Mustang's digging into everything in, in terms of what happened to Hughes, and that would get in way of their plans if he was able to put together everything that happened. So they decide, well, let's throw him a bone, and they have Maria Ross arrested as the killer of Hughes, and the episode ends there. So, as always, Jimmy, what were your thoughts? Well, this was a Hughes episode, in a sense, but not not the way I wanted it to be. It was very, very sad. I think every moment we were reminded of how much of a very uh, big part of all these characters' lives Hughes was and how much he is missed by everyone. So it's a very bummer of an episode. 
Yep, I I agree because we finally got to see it hit the brothers. The brothers and Winry, for that matter, didn't know what was happening because they were in the east when everything went down. And yeah, they they are now like the last people to find out what happened to Hughes. The other ones, I wouldn't say everybody else kind of got over it, but they've had time to adjust to the reality that Hughes is dead. And now we see the brothers and Winry learn and the brothers, obviously they feel a lot of guilt because he was ultimately killed as kind of a warning to everybody else to let people know not to get into this, not to dig too deep in this information he wouldn't have been researching this had they not mentioned that they, you know, they needed some information. So naturally, yeah, they're going to be very, they're going to feel very guilty about it all. And they did. Uh, but at the same time, it seems like it's given them resolve because they're like, Hey, we can't let this stop us because the, because Hughes wouldn't want this. Like he, he found something big, something big is going on. He would want us to keep going, but at the same time, they, you know, we we see Al say something about if people have to keep dying, he doesn't want to get his body back. So, I mean, we kind of see this this emotional conflict in the brothers too, because on one hand, they're like they want to keep going because they want to honor Hughes's memory and let him have died for something, but at the same time, they're just like, how many other people are going to have to die for us? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I, because we don't really see them kind of gun ho this episode about we, or this is going to spur us on, which I really love about this episode is that it, it shows in a sense, the reality of someone close to you dying and how, you kind of see this in a lot of shows and movies where a side character will die that was really close to the main character and then that, that instantly spurs them on and gives them that boost of energy to to go after their goal even harder to avenge this character. But what we see here is that these two brothers are letting this hit them fully and it's like the weight of them, the weight of this is dragging them down and that's uh, I love it because it's it's more realistic. They're not automatically like we have to go uh, avenge Hughes. We have to keep going in honor of Hughes. In the sense, they kind of wanted to stop until Hughes's wife told them that he would have died for nothing if they stopped right here. So I I, I like that a lot in this episode. Yeah, again, again, like we always talk about how in this the show we see more and more examples of them turning tropes on their head because we we're used to seeing oh like okay yeah we this person died now i'm angry and i'm going to save the world or it's just it's nice to see that they actually have this emotional conflict about it like it's not immediately i want to get revenge or anything like they have this huge this huge this just this huge emotional feeling or this this huge emotional reaction to everything which is great i do think they would have stopped if it wasn't for hughes's wife they seem to be really in this crossroad of maybe more people are going to get hurt if we keep digging deeper and deeper and hughes's wife really gives them that talk of you need to do this for for my husband's memory. Even though after they leave, she breaks down because we can hear her through the door. And I, it, it's just tough. It's a tough thing they're going through. Yeah, I definitely do not envy them for that. And this is definitely going to be something that drives not just them, but also Mustang. We see a lot of Mustang in this episode just trying to figure things out and trying to deal with things and figure, not just figure out his career because he's now in Central and he has this new job, but figure out how can I, what was Hughes looking into that got him killed? Clearly it was something big. That's why he was killed. Otherwise, like, they wouldn't have killed him because he found something 
like uh, even I don't know, like even like money laundering or something. It, it has to be something big that they would have killed him over. Otherwise, they would have just, you know, maybe pass blame onto him or frame him or something. So he definitely wants to get to the bottom of it because one, he wants to clean house of the senior military, but he also really misses his friend and wants to avenge him. Yeah. And we see how exhausted Mustang is. He's sleeping in that library room or a book room or something. He's sleeping in there and, uh, when they open the door and they find him, he looks like he hasn't slept. Even though we did catch him sleeping, he said, like, how long have I been asleep? And she says 10 minutes. And you can see he's got scruff and he looks tired and worn out. He is working really hard on trying to put these pieces together with what little clues he has. Yeah, and also just pointing him to the hole, he's all scruffy. They even show us their... Show us like that scene of him cleaning or shaving his face in the bathroom because it's been, I guess, days since he's taken care of himself. Yes, and then that brings in one of my other favorite characters, Armstrong, who just kind of pops out of a stall and is like, hey, Mustang, how's it going? Almost. Yes, yeah, he was... It almost felt like he was just kind of hanging out there waiting for him to show up, but it's kind of seen. Yeah, very coincidental, but as Armstrong's leaving the restroom, then Mustang tells him about the Philosopher's Stone being made out of people. And now it's kind of like, who knows what? And how much information does a character really know? Because now Armstrong knows that Mustang knows about the Philosopher's Stone. And I don't know if that's what got Hughes killed, but it seems like Mustang's putting his nose in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, That well, that's what's going to happen. And it's interesting towards the end of the episode as well, because we see it, uh, both Lust and Envy tried to kill Mustang that day. Or not Mustang, tried to kill Hughes that day. Envy succeeded uh lust wound up injuring them so clearly they will kill people who are a threat to their plan however they won't kill mustang instead they just want to throw him off the trail by saying hey this is the person who killed hughes even though it wasn't and you know once he feels like like their plan is oh well once he realizes that that is solved or once that mystery is solved he'll just stop looking into things so it's like, well, why don't they just kill him? My thoughts are probably because he's he's a, a skilled alchemist. Like, we've seen how they are protective of the Elric brothers because of their alchemy, alchemic skills and their uh, useful sacrifice, as they mentioned back in, like, episode 14, I think. Uh, but then also you had, like, the way they tried to recruit Izumi, because of her skills. So my guess is maybe they just think Mustang is too valuable to kill off. That is true. They are kind of keeping around these really strong alchemists. And now that we know uh, the uh, Fuhrer Bradley is one of them, and then you bring up Azumi and how strong she is, it is kind of interesting. They're trying to keep like bring these really skilled alchemists all in one spot. I don't for who knows what reason. That's that's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, it just it makes me very. It was just a very interesting thing because to me because clearly they have no problem just killing somebody. Then again, also there's the thing that maybe that would be very suspicious too if everybody like there's there's no way there's not people who know that Mustang's looking into it and if Mustang all of a sudden died then that would probably raise a lot of alarms too and make things more difficult for them. True. True. I had a question for you. How do you feel about Envy being able to transform into people, like exact copies of people? It's an interesting skill. And I mean, 
it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a nice, it's an interesting skill to see that he has, and it does kind of keep you guessing if somebody is envy or not. I like it, but I hope it doesn't become one of those things where it just magically it can like explain anything that's happened. Like this character is actually envy. I hope we always get the reveal that that was envy there and not learn later that, Oh, we thought that was a Mustang, but it was actually envy in disguise. Cause I could see that going that way. Oh no, no. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um, after captain Marvel came out, how they introduced the scrolls and then there are all these people started talking about like, Oh, well now we're going to learn that Tony Stark was a scroll and, and, uh, Fury's a scroll and everything like that. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Like, oh, you know, that wasn't Armstrong. It was just Envy the whole time. Yeah, so I hope uh, we always get the Envy reveal. Like in this episode, we saw Envy switch to a different character. I hope we always get to know that that's not who we think it is. That's Envy. Just giving the audience a little more information, I think, is a, is nice. Yeah, that way we don't have to guess. We don't, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know what you're getting at too, because I don't know how I feel about those reveals either. Like, to me, it's it's kind of lazy, like the whole, um, the it was all a dream trope. I also feel the, oh, it was somebody else in disguise or somebody with amnesia. I feel those tropes are, too, are very lazy as well. But I don't think that's going to happen. This show has been great and it's storytelling so i don't see it taking the easy way out but it did cross my mind when i saw envy uh, body swap or transform into uh i don't remember the character's name but in the character today so it just it just popped in my mind hopefully we don't get that yeah, what dumb luck for him too he he transforms into a random guy and then as he's leaving that random guy is walking towards him, so he has to kind of transform again really quick while he's not paying attention. What luck that someone might be looking down while you're transforming? Because they were yeah. in a hallway. So Yeah, I guess I guess Envy had luck all around. Maybe along with his transformation power, he's also has uh, like uh, like Domino's luck or something like that. What is it? Uh, what do they call Like uh, Bradley has the ultimate eye. Maybe Envy has ultimate luck. Who knows? Maybe they'll reveal that in a later episode. Yeah. I also... I don't know if you caught this, but after Ed finds out that the truth about Hughes and he runs off, Al is chasing him and Al is out of breath when he catches up to Ed and seeing that. And I've noticed sometimes Al gets tired too. I really want to lock down on how Al works. Cause he doesn't eat, he doesn't sleep, but he has like no muscles. So, but he does get tired. So I don't know. I want to lock down on what Al can and can't do or what affects him. <laughs> yeah, that would that would help because if he's a soul attached to a piece of armor, technically he's not breathing. But then, of course, now we open up a whole can of worms of well, if he's not breathing, how is he talking? So it it, it it's it's probably one of those things that just you just kind of have to let go <laughs> and accept just, it for what it is. I found it funny because he's he's running and then he catches up. He's like, ah. Oh. Huh, out of breath and it makes you think back all these times where Al is fighting and he he gets worn out or he gets t- fatigued but then you're like but you're just armor you don't have any muscles I, I think I'll, I'll let it go but it will always be in the back of my mind yeah maybe it's just like he oh maybe that does exert or burn some energy for him to actively move the the metal or whatnot. I'm, I'm going to go with that being the answer. I, I would find it fascinating if 
the creator of Full Metal Alchemist, if she actually has this written down that this is what Al can and can't do, and this is how he's affected by things. I I think that would be amazing to know that that exists out there in the world. The somewhat physics of Al and his soul being attached. Because we don't really see that with... Uh, uh, what's his name? Barry the... Ch- Is it Barry the Chopper or Barry the Butcher? Uh, Barry the Chopper. Yeah, we don't see... Was he a butcher? He was a butcher, though, right? Yeah, I guess he was a butcher, but then he, when he became a serial killer, he gets, guess he got known as Barry the Chopper. What an interesting turn. Like They were like, well, he, he is a butcher and he's butchering people, but let's not go with that. Let's go with Chopper, because he chops them up. I don't know. It, it seems interesting to change it. Maybe they didn't want to sully the name of Butcher's. Yeah, there's plenty of good butchers out there, so I don't think they wanted to make them all look bad. Oh, isn't Azumi's husband a butcher? Uh, yeah, I think he is. Oh, see, some of the good butchers in the Full Metal Alchemist world. Yeah, too. We have we have a bad butcher and a good butcher, so it is clear that Full Metal Alchemist is trying to let us know that not all butchers are bad. True. And how do you feel about the end of this episode? With We find out that Havoc is dating Lust. Oh, yeah. We totally went over that. Yeah, so apparently... I forget what name he gave her. Cause, or Solaris or something like that. She's obviously going by some kind of alias. And yeah, Havoc is dating Lust. Uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And it's, it's obvious what Lust is up to. Like, for us, the audience, we know that Lust is just trying to get information that there's nothing romantic about it. And it's it's also kind of funny because it feels like this is the first time we're actually seeing anything lustful about her, so... Yeah, and I always thought that was a piece of straw in Havoc's mouth. I guess I've been conditioned... Because you don't see smoking too much in animation anymore. So, in my mind, I always thought that was a piece of straw. But it, it's a cigarette. So, I learned something new today. Well, uh, I guess that's, it, does, it is going to play into the show a lot more, how his uh, smoking habit works out. I know uh, What's-His-Face Mustang gets on his case about it every now and again. But yeah, overall, I think pretty pretty good episode. You know, a slow one, but we we learned a lot. I agree. But I guess we can just jump right into the next one and figure out what happened to Maria Ross. Uh, Next episode is called Cold Flame. It picks up right where the last episode ended. Well, maybe a little time has passed. So the last episode ends with Maria Ross being arrested. This episode begins with her being interrogated. Uh, they, they, They apparently have recovered the bullet from must uh, not mustang from hughes's murder they say the bullet matches the type of gun that she uses or that she's issued and she filled a she filled a requisition form for additional bullets because she shot barry the chopper when uh when they're at the filth for the fifth laboratory and so she was that she was down a bullet and filed a report about that and so now they're like oh that was the bullet she used to kill them and when she argued, well, I was at the fifth laboratory protecting the Elrics. The fifth laboratory is an unmanned laboratory. Why would you have to, who were you protecting him from? There was nobody there. Well, I was, you know, I was with my mom the day that Hughes died. Well, of course your family's going to lie for you. That's not a reliable alibi. So it's clear there's just, they, they, they're not hearing it. Like they've, they've gotten the edict down to blame Maria Ross and that's what they are going for. Interestingly enough, Maria Ross was the form that, uh, what's his face, uh, that uh, Envy took when she first attacked. But anyway, so it becomes known that something isn't right. The bear, We see Barry the Chopper and Fallman in the, the cabin and Fallman gets a newspaper and it talks about how Maria Ross has been arrested and Barry the Chopper realizes something 
something's not right, something's not adding up because where he and Maria were during that time and how he she did shoot him. Uh, we then go ahead and see Barry the Chopper breaking out Maria Ross from jail. And while he's doing that, he actually sees Ling in prison and breaks Ling out after Ling mentions that he is from Xing. And they manage to escape. And Barry the Chopper pretty much gives her an ultimatum, like, hey, you can either come with me or you can stay here and be executed. And so she follows him and he directs her down an alleyway and it turns out the Mustang's there. And, you know, the next thing we notice is his snap and a fireball go off. And when everybody catches up, they see what appears to be a very burnt corpse and they believe it's Maria Ross. Well, we we uh, go to this new character, Dr. Knox, who performs the autopsy and confirms that it was Maria Ross's body due to the dental records. The, the Elric's, you know, Al's distraught and Edward is just angry that Mustang could kill Maria in just, you know, in cold blood. Like he, he knew he was mad about Hughes, but just to burn her without a trial or anything and whatnot, it just was not, it, it was not something that he wanted. Now, we now go and see Mustang walk, or Armstrong actually walk up to Mustang and apologize for one of his people killing Hughes. And, you know, obviously Armstrong's a little distraught. So Mustang tells Armstrong to take a trip to the east. There's beautiful women there, yada, yada, yada. We jump a little further. Uh, We see that Barry is back at his cabin. He's brought Ling back. Fallman's upset because he's like, hey, we're supposed to be keeping everything a secret. And now you're bringing people. And then, of course, Ling lights uh, like a signal fire. And this brings over Fu and Lanfan. So now he's a little more upset. Uh, Lieutenant Hawkeye puts in a leave of absence. Uh, clearly because she's you know disgusted by everything that's happening. And so Mustang's like, all right, cool, whatever. Mustang starts to talk to his girlfriend on the phone about needing to take a fishing trip. Armstrong, out of nowhere, just comes out and busts into the Elric's room and says, Oh, Elric, your your arm, your automail, it's broken. We need to go ahead and take you to uh, Risenbull right away. We're, Rin- we're you know, Winry's kind of like, I'm right here. I can, like, fix it. And stuff's like, nonsense. I'll take him. And, uh... You know, we don't want to raise any alarms, so Al, you stay here and, you know, take a look at Winry and whatnot. And so, you know, it's this whole, becomes this whole thing, which is kind of funny. And and Al, you know, Edward boards the train with Armstrong, and he has no idea what's going on. Uh, Mustang gets an alert to be told that, well, hey, uh, Edward has boarded the train. And now the homunculi are kind of figuring out what's going on. Like they, they get the word that Mustang killed the girl, but then they're like, this is too easy. There's no way, like there, there's no way this is done. Mustang's got to have some bigger plans going. And so they figure, well, let's, let's sick our quote unquote dog after him. And so they go to this cage with a man in there, but who's very acting very feral and they call him Barry the chopper. And then the episode just kind of ends there. Uh, so I guess now, what do you think? Well, mind blown at the very end when we see the guy in the cage, because we do see the guy in the cage in the last episode a little bit, but I always thought that was a chimera. But now we know that that's Barry the Chomper. And that makes me think, then who are we dealing with in the suit of armor? That That's one of the big things I took from this episode. The other thing is Ling is 15 years old. Did we already know that? Uh, no, I think that's the first time they mentioned it. So Ling is pretty young, too. I forgot how old the brothers are, but he's around their age. Yeah, because I think there's either a one or two year gap between the brothers' age, and I think uh, Edward is around 15, 16. 
Yeah, so it's pretty. It's it's it was just it threw me off because I, you see Ling and you think he's older, but you find out he's only he's only fifteen years old and he's just passing out in the streets of hunger all the time. So I thought that was very interesting to me. That's definitely an interesting topic, or I guess it makes sense because usually when you have like protagonists in animes and video games and JRPGs and whatnot, they tend to be you know, no older than 21. Usually they're somewhere between 16 and 19. So I guess it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, you don't really, you would looking at him, I would assume that he's maybe 18, 19 years old. Like not, not the teenager. Yeah. I thought he was going to be not way older than the brothers, but, but older than them. Cause he is a prince and he's kind of gunning for the next line. It's to rule uh, the kingdom. So I thought he was a little older. It just it threw me off slightly. I, I was like, oh, wow, he's 15 years old. That's interesting. Because the way he talks, he's kind of this smooth, like, um, hustler kind of guy. So he just gave me a different vibe. So finding out he's 15 was really interesting to me personally. I also thought, I didn't know if you thought this too, but uh, is his name Fallman, the person who's yeah? So I, I thought Fallman sent Barry the the chopper to go free Ross, but we find out at the end of this episode he did not because he was like, "Where did you go? Why did you sneak out without letting me know?" Because there was that scene where he gets the newspaper and he calls Mustang right away. And then we go to the breakout scene. So I I thought that he sent Barry out, but I guess he did not. And Barry just does what he wants to do. Yeah, I think, well, somebody sent Barry out. Because I obviously, like, Barry's not working on his own. But he's, he's not that... He He clearly is the type who likes to kill and slaughter and stuff. What what motivation would he have to just to be to play the hero he's operating under somebody's orders uh you know we might think mustang uh it could be anybody else like obviously the military thinks mustang ordered it because it's kind of like well who else had a motivation to kill her mustang so mustang could have ordered the breakout but at the same time barry the chopper doesn't real nobody like he has no connection to Mustang than anybody knows, so it'd be kind of hard for them to, to for them to kind of pin that on him. But we do know Barry loves the ladies, because he wanted Hawkeye to come visit him. So maybe he saw, you know, Ross's picture and was like, you know what, I love the ladies. Can't let this one just be murdered. Got to go save her. You know. I don't know. He's he's a ladies' man, Barry. Yeah, I mean, I guess he is. At the same time, too, it's interesting. You know, it could also just be plot armor, but it's interesting that he that Mustang just happened to be there uh, as uh, as as she turns the corner and she's escaping. So, you know, that's kind of uh, that's kind of interesting to me. But I guess we'll see. I, I feel like Mustang's always up to something. I mean. In the theory of that Mustang did send Barry, because Barry did point her down that specific alleyway, and he just happens to be at the end of that alleyway. So, I mean, if there is collusion going on between Barry and the Mustang, and I don't know, Fallman didn't seem to, he legitimately seemed to be like, why did you get out? That doesn't seem like a conversation you just have between two people with no one else listening if he was in on it, too. I don't know. I'm very... I, I feel like we're going to find out how Barry actually got there. But right now, there's a lot of questions. Because Barry also did not, did not chop anyone, which is very unusual for him. He specifically stopped himself from chopping people. Yes, he 
he did not chop anybody. And there's just a lot of weirdness going on. Hawkeye taking off the whole, what's it called? The whole issue with um, with Mustang telling uh, Armstrong go to the east, but then also Armstrong just coming up with kind of the, what that obvious flimsy excuse of needing to take Edward to Risenball to fix his armor. Like clearly something greater is coming on. Also, we've never really seen Mustang talk to a wife or anything like that or a girlfriend. So clearly I think he is talking to one of his cohorts or something. So there's something going on. True. And Armstrong also says to Ed as he's under his arm and Ed's like, just put me down. Why are you, why are you taking me? Uh, Why are we going off? And Armstrong says like, I, this is my order. So who gave the order? Exactly. Like who can order Armstrong to do something? Is Mustang higher than Armstrong in rank or? I think so. Mustang's a colonel, I believe, and Armstrong's a lieutenant. So I think, yeah, I think he is. So could Mustang, so Mustang could theoretically have given this order? Theoretically, yeah. Mustang's, he also seems to be a guy who's always up to things. So I would not be surprised at all if it turned out that he had given the order. That's true. I always feel like Mustang is playing some kind of chess game in his mind and he's moving all these pieces. Like he doesn't move anything or make a move without already have a plan in mind. Kind of like he he's moving these pieces, it feels like. So so what is his plan, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I have no idea what his plan is, but I I feel like we're going to find out really soon. Um, I just, I don't see, um, I don't see them letting this go too long, if you know what I mean. Like, I think they're going to probably tell us in this next episode or and maybe within the next three episodes what he was working on. Yeah, and Ross's death was kind of, is like, I know we talk about we usually we've been having kind of a serious episode and then a light episode. This feels like two serious episodes back to back because Ross's death hits the brothers really hard. Yeah, it does. Like, I guess they bond. I mean, we saw them together for a while. So I'm guessing over that time they bonded, which would make sense. So and I think just also just the fact that it was so just crazy the the whole process of him being killed so or of her being killed and him killing it upset him yeah it did it it does feel like everything happened really fast like we see her being taken in and then she's in jail that night and she escapes that night and then she's murdered and the brothers well i guess it wasn't that fast i don't know how fast the newspapers work in that world but that was front page news everyone had that newspaper yeah i'm trying to remember when he was arrested or when she was arrested because clearly all of this happened at night i want to say that at the beginning of the episode we saw sunlight in the window so i'm guessing maybe a whole day had passed so there was enough time for them to print out a paper or something like a 24-hour period maybe had passed yeah and it's all strange because everyone believes that she did not do this. Like all the characters that had that newspaper in their hand, none of them were like they caught the person or I knew she was capable of this. Everyone in their minds, like she, she couldn't have done this and we need to go clear her name or we need our voices to be heard that she would not have committed this crime. So it just it's very interesting that how this all ended at the end of this episode for her. Absolutely. Just I hope we get a resolution soon. I mean obviously we will. I don't think this is going to be one of those things that they don't that they don't have uh, happen or don't, you know, one of those things that they just never resolve, but at the same time it's like yeah, a lot has happened. And also I want to figure out what what everybody's plan is because clearly there's still these issues with the homunculi and 
Hughes being killed and everything. So yeah, I'm just I'm curious to figure out what we're going from here. I think I'm mainly curious about this Barry the Chopper thing and who is the other I hope it's not twins. But well, I guess we'll find out. But I'm very they left us on a true cliffhanger this episode. Ah, I see. Um Yeah, I my theory is like when they said they attached Barry's soul to a to a piece of armor, they never really said what they did with the body, so who knows? Are you saying that this could be a soulless body and that that would be interesting. I mean, it looks very feral, so I maybe, yeah, maybe that's maybe they're like making some impli- you know, some implication of well, if a human doesn't have a soul, they become some kind of animal or something like that. I don't know. Oh, that's I like that. I like that theory. I mean, we're gonna find out probably next episode, so I'm I'm excited. Yep. Well, we will let's if we find out next episode, we will talk about it here on the podcast. Do you have anything else, Jimmy? No, I think that wraps it up for me. Cool. Well, next time we'll talk about the next two episodes. Hopefully we get some resolution. And as always, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy. Oh, bye everyone. Bye. Thank you.